Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 24 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show. As well, our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler Long Live Cowboys. What's up, everybody? Glad to have you back for another week, episode 24. Before we get into the action and our guest, which is Douglas Duncan, today we'll get into the boys. See who's back joining us today, Jason Davidson. Good to see you again. The boys, ALT, eh? The Number boys. 24. Hmm. And he would have wore the hashtag NFP hat, hoodie, and T-shirt better than anybody. And that was the legend, Bob Probert. Bob Probert. Yep. There we go. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's a good one. A you say that like you're surprised. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. That's all I got to worry about. You, that's all. That's the only thing I really got to do for these pods is figure out who's the, who's the <laughs> number. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, also joining us today, Scott Byrne out of beautiful Manitoba. How you doing, Scotty? Guys, I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you again. Um, Freshly showered and shaved. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know what? When you're doing these pods, you got to feel fresh. Fresh as a fucking daisy. Fresh to death, baby. <laughs> uh, Scott, what's up? What's going uh, on out there? How's the weekend? How's everything been rolling? Everything's good. Yeah, we're uh, kids have been going to some uh, neighbors here, team roping quite a bit and practicing and getting all ready for rodeo season, which is going to be backed off till I would say July now. Uh, just uh, we got some more restrictions put on us here on when last Friday, I guess. And uh, so, again, it kind of screws with things. But, hey, we're good. We're good. The sun's shining. We could use a little rain, get this hay going. But other than that, no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> no complaints. Jason, what about you? How's your, uh, how's your time been since the last time we visited last week? You've been busy with hockey. What's been going on? It's almost playoff time, I know, hey, for a few of the guys, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. They're going to finish. There's going to be an actual regular season game Saturday afternoon and then a playoff game Saturday night. Washington, Boston, square offs. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Calgary, Vancouver, which is, I think it's Calgary versus Vancouver, which both teams aren't making the playoffs, so it doesn't matter, but they still got to complete the schedule. So, yeah, just watching hockey, man. Um, some exciting stuff coming up PBR wise here. Been working pretty hard, uh, trying to get us all back to work here. So I can't tell you anything yet, but, uh, yeah. Um, been working hard with some venues here. So, um, just stay tuned to the PBR Canada social platforms and I'm sure our NFP platforms will be reposting and reposting. Shit, yeah. No hints, no nothing. Just fucking, just, at least there's sounds like there'll be something if you're if you're talking that way. Are you don't well know? as long as as long as these reopening plans um are legit, yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know me, okay. LT. Uh, I don't roll I, over and die. I don't <laughs> care what it is, when it is, how it is, I'm gonna piss my pants a little bit because I'm so excited to fucking go get a pair of jeans starched and hit the road hit the trail i was thinking you know i was thinking about our girl marge here in saskatoon she's she's the only dry cleaner in the whole city that starches jeans and i know she's done well over the years i haven't seen marge but one time 
in yeah. 14 months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Same here. Same here yeah. in Brandon. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. You know, and that was a once a once a week thing for us. Well, you better fucking get them so done talk- about May 25th ish. Get them fucking done so they'll be ready for the next week because there's some fucking big news coming down the pipeline with Samantha. <laughs> Tanner Burn Invitational. We're kicking her off uh, June 10th, nice. 11th. We're set. We're going. So luckily, nice. Nice. Uh, with some with some uh, Saskatchewan's a little bit different, I think, than, than Manitoba, Scott, and obviously Alberta now is kind of gone the other way but regulations came out last week here where uh once 70 percent of the population aged 40 and over was done vaccinated uh they'll start the reopen plan which for my events to work i need at least 150 people to attend you know to to make sure that it, i can pay for the the bulls and everybody that it takes to put on a, a bull riding event which as everybody knows it's it, but a lot goes into it. So uh, my events are more just to just to keep the sport alive and, and keep the guys going and have somewhere to go. And I know the guys have been reaching out to me, the bull riders, and they're excited to have somewhere to go to. So sounds like everybody's on the same boat as us, ready to ready to get back to it. And obviously, we'll follow all the all Tanner. the calls and all the all the different shit that it takes to make sure that these work and go off without a hitch like they did last year. So that was great news, I feel like, and getting to work on that now. Tanner, what's uh, what's the feedback from your corporate end? Like, I know you sell some tables and stuff there for the great businesses to be a part of around uh, Prince Albert and area. Have you had any feedback from them? Yeah, everybody's excited. Everybody's, I think, the same as the board riders, the same as us. It's it's uh, everybody wants to get back to doing something. You know, everybody's been locked up, mm-hmm. or you know, and, and trying to make sure that we're all following the guidelines and the rules so that we can get back to work. And with the opening of these guidelines as as hard as they are to follow. And as much as we all want to just go out there and do shit, it does make everybody, the businesses and whatnot feel better. And obviously legal that we're going to do it the right way, that there's no rules being broken and there's no issues that'll, that'll come about. So we, we follow the rules, follow the guidelines. Yeah. We might not, see them eye to eye with with everybody that's putting them out there but you know i'd rather go to work than than sit here and not do anything again for a long time or for another while so yeah everybody seems good and and just uh mindful of of what we're gonna have to do to pull this off the riders uh the you know everybody that's involved so it's gonna be fun it's cool they're they're fun to they're fun to figure out and we can kind of do them our own way and nfp style and and uh everybody gets to roll and do their job and get back to work Fought the law and the law won. I think that was the song, but I see the, the the fellow from the whistle stop there in Alberta. He uh he defied all uh all what would the you word got, be? Guidelines. Yeah. yeah, you get charged. Well, I'm just breaking news here, and it'll be all over by the time the pod drops. Uh but yeah, Ty and Ty and Gail Northcott are being charged as well. Are they? Yeah, I, I, seen I wasn't sure if it was true or not. Yeah, it's it's all over. It's all over now. It's I just got that. It's about an hour old, and and I was just on a Zoom call with with one of the venues we're hoping to be in here in October, and um, they they actually asked if there was any affiliation. Oh no shit, that. eh? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So would that be a federal charge or a provincial charge, Jason? Do you know, or what would your take be on that? Well, RCMP charged, so I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I'm not, I wouldn't want to take a guess at that, but 
you're charged, you're charged, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. True. True. See what see what comes of it, I yeah. guess. Yeah, see how it how it plays out. That'll be interesting to <laughs> the whistles, follow along with. The whistles the whistle stop guy, they just chained his door shut and he's like, fuck you. He puts he puts a barbecue and some burgers outside the fence and just carries <laughs> off. He did? Starts cooking. <laughs> yeah. He said the burgers aren't as good as they would be in the restaurant, but come and get them. And I, there was a lot of people that were, you know, partaking in it. So uh, I seen yeah, Tyler Pankowitz was there. You see Pank? Yeah, he was on his face. Yeah, I seen Pank. Was where, there. Yeah. Where is the? Where exactly is the whistle stop? Well, I Bashaw. think I heard. Is it Bashaw? Don't quote me on that. I thought I read somewhere that it was just outside of Bashaw, but I don't know. Let me ask. Here. Let me ask. Let me ask my trusted. Should be close to um, Pank and, and, and Android phone. Yeah, pretty sure it's Bashaw. Stop. Yeah, so interesting, eh? Um, so Ty Northcott, uh, is it a fairly anybody know? Is it a fairly hefty financial charge, or how does that all work? I don't think it came out. Him. Yeah, I don't think it came out. I think it just said that he. I seen he put on there on his Facebook of of a fair in. Somewhere in Montana, and it, it was like, I don't know, six hours south of where they live. And there's a full fair, Ferris wheels, full like county fair in this town. And they're just wide open, rolling, no rules, no regulations, no anything. And he said, it's six hours from my house, little, but then I get a uh, papers and I get served and get charged for doing the same thing when it's only six hours away or you know he was explaining it on his facebook of what happened so that's how i found out or heard that that he'd been served his papers and been charged but who knows we'll fucking see where they go we talked on it last time if there'd be more people doing events or what would what would go on if this would give them the confidence so i you know like we talked we'll see what comes of it now but just a wild world this might spook some people eh, from Stepping outside the legal zone if uh, they've officially been charged. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. Like I, you know, I'm not in. A, I can't do that. I'm in zero position to lead our team into something like that. I would never do it. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't do it. Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no fucking pussy podcast. <laughs> Buck. Jesus uh, Christ. Not well, when I'm when I'm ready to quit, fellas, then I would do it. Okay, I'm not ready to get fired yet. You can throw out the line. Uh, what is the line? Uh, what are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So, uh, well, at least we got something to look forward to, and the guys will have something to look forward to here at the start nice. of June. So, the Saskatchewan government, Scott Bowen, said that May 30th is when uh, it'll be open to 150 people in Saskatchewan. So we're not wide open by any means. There's still going to be lots of regulations to follow, but at least uh, it gives us enough leeway to, to pull off something here and put on a great show for our, for our local sponsors and, and everybody that's involved is exciting for, for me and everybody around here to, and bow riders, everybody, it, you know, we need to keep it rolling. So glad yeah. to be a part of it and uh we'll pull her off great and look forward to having people out and the boys out and watching some good bull riding fucking action again yeah ufc did you guys catch that on the weekend i didn't i didn't catch the fight i just heard the fallout from our from our man there our man cowboy cerrone yeah what's going on ah shit he got he, he took a beating again uh his last 
four, I think it's been on fucking murderers row there. And he talked about it on, on our pod when he was on, you guys can go back and listen to that, that, uh, he was knew that he'd been losing and he's, everybody was kind of talking shit and saying that he was done. And he was really, really amped for this fight. And you could tell in his, in his training and his videos and, and everything involved, how ready he was for this fight. And what actually happened was he was supposed to fight Diego Sanchez and about two, three days before the fight, who, you know, he'd been training to fight this guy for fucking six months, right? Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. Something happened with that guy. And there's a bunch of drama and controversy around that guy. He kind of went off the deep end and I was talking about the UFC and thought that they were from what, what he was trying to get his medical records or something and they wouldn't give him his medical records. And then he went publicly and was uh, got in a battle with the UFC anyway. And doesn't sound like it's a good situation, but not they pulled Diego, out of the fight. Anyway. No, not for Diego. So they took him out of the fight, and I don't think he's he's no longer with the UFC. But that left Cowboy without a, somebody to fight, and uh, a guy stepped up to the plate, said, "I'll fight you," and came in and yeah, beat Cowboy in the first round. Uh, kind of dazed him a bit there, and then ended up just melee and went at him, and they called the fight a couple minutes into the first round, but. Uh, obviously in that world, there's a lot of haters and a lot of people with their opinions, keyboard warriors and talking about cowboy needing to quit. And, uh, he doesn't got it anymore and he's too old and all that. And, and he came out with a, a quote on yeah. Instagram that said, uh, a beautiful, I think it's Chris Ledoux, right? Uh, we ride, never worried about the fall is what he put. Yeah. So yeah. if, uh, what is something about if you don't know you don't know what it's like to be bucked off if you've never nodded your head? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it. Yeah. He's Full basically saying, "Fuck you guys." Yeah. yeah, yeah, ups and downs, fucking way she goes. So, obviously, we got Cowboys back, good friend of the show, and and uh, <laughs> hope that, that's the thing with that sport is that, you know they could just not sign you again for any more fights. So, I know Cowboy doesn't want to go out that way. He's definitely made it known that he wants another one and, and try to go out in a better way than than losing those ones so hopefully he gets another chance to redeems himself and goes out like the legend that he is so for sure we'll be following along sneaky weasel lager if you're looking for a smooth refreshing beer this weekend grab yourself a sneaky weasel craft lager this mildly hopped craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 abv but goes down crisp and clean this beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration, fun in the sun, and good times with friends. This beer is available all across the Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFP podcast. You guys might get to have a Sneaky Weasel here soon. Well, <laughs> if there's any left. Yeah. If there's any left. I'll, I'll and make I will, sure. I, I'll make I will sure. be thirsty after my seven-hour fucking drive. You better have one on ice when I get there. Are you bringing uh, Monica over? I don't know. You know what? That might be a good idea because Dylan's been after me to get her out and get her shined up and new. Oh, so, boy. Yeah, we, boy, might. This we might. Tanner, Tanner Burn Invitational is going to get everybody fired up. I fucking uh, guarantee it because you wait till yeah. all these bull riders that have been pent up and not been able to see their bull. I'm not so I'm not so concerned about Thursday night. I am a little worried about Friday, Friday night. night. Friday Ooh, night live, baby. baby. Yeah, you boys better pit in. You better bring Monica, bring the big yeah. uh, bus, and just park her where we usually park it yep. and pit in. Jason, you as well. Fam, bring the fam. We're not going to be breaking any regulations. It's all legal. So we'll just tear it up. We'll do it up. Do it up right. Good. 
Good. And you guys can try some sneaky weasels. And you, Jason, you can get a hat, baby. You can get yourself a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I just got my hoodie, so that was nice. Uh, I didn't uh, wear it today, but. Uh, speaking of that, everybody go online. Check out our online store for all your hoodies and T-shirts and all that sort of stuff. Go on there and get them ordered up. Uh, Where do they yeah. go? Where do they go? Well, I'll put the link on our um on our NFP page. 3D Bull Ride? In our 3D Bull Riding page, you can go to all of our social medias and check out that to see where you go and just follow the link. It's Teespring link. So, yeah, print to order, print on demand. T-shirts, we got hoodies on there. We got some mugs, uh, women's T-shirts, bunch of cool shit with our logo. That'll be good that way. And our uh, guest today, we can talk about him a little bit here. Douglas Duncan joins the show. Douglas Longtime friend of mine, and uh, you guys, I'm sure, know Douglas pretty well through oh, yeah. Calgary and all the bull ridings over the years. And if you know bull riding, you know fucking Douglas Duncan. The guy's a legend mm-hmm. in the sport, so it was good to have have him on the, on the show. Perfect. That guy has a – he could be in a 300-mile-an-hour tornado, and he'd still have a perfect beard when he was done. <laughs> perfect beard. Uh, and, his hat, and his hat would still be on his head. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's that's what you call a cowboy. Yeah, that's right. That's he right. had the he I, always has the had the look, still has the looks. Yeah. Oh, fucking cover cover guy for any magazine out there. The guy could have been. So ah, such a good good catch up with him. One of the guys that I got to room with actually on on tour and um just spent most of my most of my time on tour and got to spend a lot of time with Douglas and then Posbon, Stormy Wing. So it's uh, it's fun to get to interview these guys again and and reminisce those stories and hear where they're all at now. A lot of people, I'm sure, like to listen in. I got lots of good feedback of that of people that you you get to see on TV all the time and yeah. and uh, where are they now type of thing. So Douglas mm-hmm. is a is a heartfelt guy, which you'll see in this interview. He kind of really, really lays it all out on the line for everybody to hear about the mental struggles that he went through and retiring and and all that. So it was a, a really good talk with Douglas that I'm sure everybody will we'll get a kick out of see a different side of Douglas and I'm pretty proud of him for being able to, to be open about that and talk about that. Glad for everybody to be able to listen to it. And hopefully young guys can learn from it as well. Well, if anybody can take anything from, from the, the NFP podcast, I mean, other than our expert opinions, of course, but <laughs> uh, is, you know, a lot of these guys, they, they do, they talk about the retirement and then the struggles with it. And um, you've said it before Tanner, I, I hope, uh, you know, anybody, but a lot of these guys that are in the sport and, and getting to that higher level, you know, it really clicks in that there is an end to it and it's good mm-hmm. to be prepared for it. So I think that's in any professional sport period, but yeah. Yeah. we just see, we just see it more because we're enthralled and you know, know the guys with, with yeah. yeah, know the guys and personal so, experience. Yeah. It's a cool thing to hear these guys, you know, kind of let it out for, for once and get the real, the real gut of it, you know? So yeah. Good. Perfect. So that'll be a good one. We'll go to here in a minute. Uh, got a Manscaped ad here coming up. Woo! Always good. Fan favorite ads, the Manscaped ads. But have you guys been watching on, I don't know if you watch uh, Instagram, like the um, Rodeo Rex. There's a page. Yeah. 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 Hey, have you noticed the fucking bullfighters lately? And they're all in bare feet. The one with, the one with no legs? And get, that yeah, one did you too. see that? Yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, that guy. We need yeah. to get a hold of that guy. That yeah. guy. Do you know his story or what's, what's, what happened there? I, what's I, going I, on? I, I don't know. 
So for those that don't know what we're talking about, there's a guy that was on an internet video that went viral. It's, it's on TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. But I don't know if he's a, a war veteran or what happened to this fella, but he's got no legs. Um, and he's fucking standing out in the arena fighting bulls just on his on his hands, on his arms. So, And I know one thing. I wouldn't want him to get me in a chokehold. No, did you see his arms? They're like no. fucking tree Yeah, no, guy okay, doesn't fuck around. That's pretty cool to see though that they're not letting obstacles in life stand in his way. He's gonna fucking do it, do what he wants to do, and step out there and get around some bulls and and uh, show what he's made of. As well, like we were talking to the other bullfighters, there's a bunch of fucking there's like a trend right now on Instagram and shit of these guys. They're mostly just getting the shit hooked out of them, but. They're in bare feet. Have you guys ever fought bulls barefoot? I did on my sock feet, though, uh, in uh, Morris one year. In that, I always heard about the Morris mud, and I really only had a my first year there. It was kind of a shitty experience. But we there was no sense in wearing your shoes because it was just caked to it. So Jason Ale and I just kicked our shoes off, ran around oh, out there in our sock feet. But we are, I'm not shitting you, Tanner. You're probably a good 12 inches. That's what you're sinking. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And it's gumbo clay there, oh, too. Yeah. That's the worst part. Yeah, yeah, those guys don't think that's funny until they get a dew claw standing on their big toe. And I was thinking to that. Around one. Yeah. 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 No, thanks. Rip your fucking toe off. What? Yeah. Does yeah. it? Okay, so. Have you guys have you oh, yeah. a step on your toe yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Riding okay. and fighting. Yeah, both. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not fun. No, no, especially uh, when they step, especially when they step on your toe and run a horn up your guts at the <laughs> same time and just gumbo you out of there. Run I almost wanted it. I almost wanted to put on, keep my pitching toe on from my fastball days. Just that steel toe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was so, watching lots of the videos that we got to get this. I don't know if it's quarantine in the U.S. or what's going on, but get some actual bullfighters out to some of these fucking practice pens. Cause Holy man, there's, I think lots more wrecks happen in the practice pen because you don't have, you just got your buddies out there trying to take care of it. Oh my gosh. It makes for good video. I mean, Holy shit. There's been some good ones here lately on those pages, but yeah. Bull riders, uh, hey. get the proper bullfighters at your practice pens. If you want to pro- prolong your, yeah. And I, yeah. I don't care. I don't care who you are, whatever. A practice pen is a practice pen. Great to practice, but you don't have the mental mindset to dominate one at the practice pen. Like, <laughs> let's be yeah. honest, right? So that's why those hookings and those, you know, good, good for uh, video wrecks happen there because you're kind of just like, all right, just practice. Fuck it. Let's have some fun and see what happens. Right? See how she goes. Instead of trying to fucking fight the bulls, maybe you should go inside and manscape. Uh, the NFP podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, and Europe. We have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use the code NFP20 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. Did you know one guy every hour, every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer? 
So this is a, rem a reminder to all the men listening to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Manscaped, in addition to providing the right tools and solutions for safe and easy manscaping, has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. Together, TCS and Manscaped are committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men's age 30, 15, 35, and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. So that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. we, we joke around a lot about, uh, you know, about our about our manscaping techniques and, and, our, and our balls and all that sort of stuff on this podcast. But there is that serious side of it, too, where and, and it's kind of the, the NFP and the mental health mindset where you don't, you know, you got to be open and talk about shit. And this is another thing that you got to go get checked and make sure that you're good. You don't want to, you don't want to wait till that's too late when it's something that can be fixed and, and you don't want to go to the doctor and, and get that looked at because it's uncomfortable. Go and fucking do her guys. It could save you for sure. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Once again, 20% off, free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. There's lots of fucking stories about that. Have you, did you guys ever hear the story about Shea Theodore? Plays for the Vegas Golden Knights? There was a bad call or whatever between San Jose, remember? And it all it went against Vegas. They were winning by they were winning yeah. by three goals. Yeah, with eight minutes left. So they the talk series. about that. That moment could have saved Shea Theodore's life. What happened was that call, however it went, they end up losing the game. It was a big uproar that never the call never should have been made, and it totally changed changed the momentum of the game. So Theodore then they get eliminated from the playoffs. He goes overseas to play for in the World Cup goes to play for team Canada and fails the, the physical and whatever the test came back, it only would show up normally in pregnant women. So they couldn't figure out what, what was going on, what happened to him. Long story short, ends up coming back to, to Las Vegas and with the team doctors goes through all the tests and fucking finds out that he has a form of testicular cancer. So they ended up doing a bunch of, you know, surgeries and, and I don't know what they all did, but he got it out of him and, and he's good to go now. But if they wouldn't have found it that early on and that early of a stage, which is why they tell people, even if you're feeling fine, go get checked out because then it was absolutely nothing for him and, and he's clean and, and healthy and good to go. But if he would have never found that or would have made it maybe further in the playoffs or would have went longer, it could have been something very more serious. So there's a story for you. Y'all, 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 y'all. But yeah. With that, guys, this will be fun. My buddy, Douglas Duncan, friend of the show, Jason Scott. Should we throw it over to him right now? You guys good with that? Yeah, we're good. Bring it on. Okay, here is our interview with Douglas Duncan. It's about the best bulls against the best bull riders, and that's what we're here for. I mean, the crowd don't pay $100 a ticket to come watch 70-point rides. You know, they're here to see the Brett Favre and the, and the Peyton Mannings, you know, touchdown throws and, and the Bushwhacker and the Asteroid to get road. And uh, you just get a bull that fits your style and you try your guts out every time. It's bound to happen. I mean, I started when I was in the calf riding, so I've been on thousands of them by now. I think all 40 of us bull riders are very confident in our ability to ride these ranked bulls and the right day against the right matchup, anything can happen. Here we go. Ball up. Shot call up. 20th play. Oh, look at this. 
Our guest today is a PBR World Finals qualifier, an NFR qualifier, a champion at Houston, as well as the Calgary Stampede. One of the best to strap his hand to bovine and one of the coolest cats outside the arena. My old roommate, the legend Dougie Fresh, Douglas Duncan. How you doing? I'm good. How are y'all today? Good, man. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Shit, yeah. So what's uh, what's going on these days? You're a working man now. Can you fill us in? What's going down? Yes, sir. I, uh, I run an ag division to a uh, commercial roofing company, and I just I help people in the Western industry uh, leverage their uh, insurance policies after storm-related damages and getting them new roofs put back on their places so at uh, chicken houses, auction barns, arenas, et cetera. Anything with a metal roof will do. Wow, listen to that sales pitch. Did you guys hear that? What are you doing next week? I got a couple jobs up here for you. You got me sold. I'm sold. If I wouldn't have had to have that stupid-ass shot to get across the border, then I'd, I'd probably come to do a roof for you. But until y'all get some shit figured out, I don't think I'll make it up there anytime soon. Oh, uh, right. y'all, got to, y'all got to laughing at us about our Biden bullshit, and then, hell, y'all are worse off than we are. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Got it. Definitely. That is the word. That is word. So uh when did you when did you officially uh hang up the Spurs? I know you went rodeo for a little bit after your PBR days and whatnot. When was the last one that you got on? And when did you when did you switch careers? Man, I don't even really remember. It just uh for a long time there at the end, it just it kinda my hip bothered me so bad and I just I thought if I could pick and choose so what I got on, then I could probably have a good chance of making the finals again. And then that one year I got my qualifications back. I went with Elliot and Brendan Eldridge and uh, Bryce. We rented a, a motorhome or Brendan had one. I think we put 25,000 miles on it in, uh, I don't know, about two months. And I just – I felt like I was going backwards. I didn't know any of the faces. I got – I didn't like being and traveling that much. And I just – uh I kind of never even announced I retired. I just kind of, I knew if I couldn't do it at the highest level and enjoy it, then I didn't want to do it at all. So I didn't want to be a guy that chased something too long. So I just uh, never entered again. <laughs> no, no shit. Yeah. Um, that is kind of fucked up. That's one thing about the the sport. Hey, when you like lose that, the familiar faces in the locker room and shit and everything changes, it kind of does play with your mental state. I know when I first came on, that was, those guys, that was what I thought bull riding was, right? And then you get to be the the elder statesman in the room, and it's all these other guys that you don't really know anymore. That kind of changes your aspect towards the sport, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's just like I, I after getting to go to such the biggest stages in the world and ride in front of 100,000 people and against the best bull riders and the best guys for a decade, it seemed like whenever I – at the end of my career when I was – waiting out the rain, pouring down rain in Burwell, Colorado for a thousand dollars added. I was like, man, this ain't, this ain't me. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it no more. And then plus I got to hurting so bad going to the bull rides that, I mean, I got to sit in every which way my hip would let me on the airplane there and, and got to hurting before I got on. And so it just became a way I made, I made my money, not because I was just craving to go get on them. Yeah. How, how are you good? feeling today now, Doug? Like, how, how's your body holding up now? It feels a lot better than now that I'm not getting on. I actually had a, a hip replacement schedule that I put off. I was supposed to get it done in February, and I just put it off until November uh, with my job. And just right with the hail season, storm season popping off, I just I – could, I could get by. You know, I waited this long, but 
I've needed it done for a while, but I'll tell you what I did was, was, uh, right when I, when I quit, I was going to get one. Well, when I got welcome back into reality, I didn't check diesel prices for 10 years and much less. I, I had all that stuff direct debited in my account. So my insurance was like five fifty a month that was coming out of there. And, and I just, I didn't handle my shit. I wasn't a grown up, obviously bull riding. It allows you to be a, a, a child for a long time. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I did, I was like, Oh, I'll let, I'll let this go for a couple months. Well, a couple months turned into like three and, that, and let it relapse and I got dropped. So then it was just, it was impossible for me to get covered just for uh prior so i just finally had found one that would you know cover me and obviously putting one step in front of the other and being an adult and understanding uh that i'm gonna have to have life after bull riding and uh getting a good job and and really enjoying enjoying what i do now so when i was done riding i went back home to my mom and dad's and i'm my dad's only son and my mom's only son and uh he won't hire any help around there so we got a nice place and my dad won't hire any help so I was able enough to make some right investments riding where I could afford a, a year or so of uh, helping them kind of redo some stuff around the house and you know and then obviously a year and a half later I'm sitting there and saying okay well I'm not going to be my dad's helper the rest of my life so I went to seeking other other things and it's been good yeah. was, that time, was that time at home a little therapy for you Douglas like just getting back out and, and cowboying a bit it was, yes, sir. It, it was good just to kind of take a reset break. And, um, but just my dad sometimes a little tough to work for. So it was, we could probably all relate to that. Yeah, yeah for sure. We <laughs> yeah. can, for sure. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, man, you don't need a new T post or you don't need that, that wood's fine. You know, it's rotted. This is why I'm fixing it in the first place. You know, he's like, oh, just <laughs> splice that thing back in there. It'll be all right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that, speaking of your dad, so is that how you got into into the sport in the first place? Grew up in uh, Alvin, Texas, correct? And your dad rode bulls, and uh, how'd you kind of get into it? So he rode bulls. He he rodeoed. Uh, he was a lot long before I came along. But my mom, she trained barrel horses, and my dad, he cowboyed a little bit, and he rode bulls and rodeoed. And um, so my mom running in barrel horses, I, I went to. I always loved the bull ride. Never since I was a little kid, there was, I was the kid that made a cardboard buck and shoot and pinned a number on his back. And, and they, uh, remember one, one of these rodeos my mom would go to every Friday had a, uh, like a little calf riding deal. And my dad kind of held me off for a long time just because he kind of knew about it, you know, didn't want to be a parent that let his little kid with that's growing that just to get hung up and dragged down the arena. Yeah. So he waited till I was a little bigger and, and got on, but he, uh, that's kind of how I got started. And they were real big. They didn't really – they didn't care if I rode rough stock, but I started out youth rodeoing from, like, the 9 to 12 age group. And so if I was under their household, I had to do every event the boys had to offer. And obviously my mom trained barrel horses. And I used to be pissed off and have to go to a youth rodeo and had, like, a barrel horse, a pole horse, a straight horse, uh, one calf roping horse, you know, and then get to do the calf riding. And so if I got bucked off my calf in the morning – I would get so mad and throw a little temper tantrum like a little only child, only only child would and say, I'm always got to practice that damn barrel race and I'll never get to practice my calf riding. <laughs> I was a barrel racer in my youth rodeo days too. That happens. Yeah. That happens. But 
<laughs> but I did uh, from from then on all the way until the high school. I had to do every event boys had to offer except bareback riding. And my dad, he rode bareback horses back when they had those steel hand holts. And to this day, I thank him for not, not letting me get on a bareback horse. I mean, uh, I'm still scared to death of that event. Yeah, no, yeah, sure. yeah for Definitely. sure. But So then you went um... – you rodeoed off the hop, right? You didn't uh, go right to the PBR. There, you and who'd you go with, and, and how did that kind of go? Because you made the so, NFL times once. I, I made it twice, but twice. I didn't. The best thing that ever happened to me was uh, I, right when I turned eighteen, like two weeks after I turned eighteen, I'd I uh, I'd got a bunch of college rodeo scholarship offers, and I wasn't going to go. My parents were pissed off because they're all about my education, and and so. I thought I was going to just go big time and I broke my pelvis and I couldn't get on for two years. And mm. so I was just, I remember being in Tandy's office in that back room and he's like, you can't get on for like two years. And I was like crying. And I still, after all the surgeries she did after that, I still wouldn't go into that back room when I went to Tandy's office, <laughs> but I, I had to call my mom and dad and like, uh, okay. I know I said, I didn't really need y'all, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to school. <laughs> so I had to, I had a coach there in Wharton that he said, if you'll just promise you'll call a rodeo for me when you get healthy, I'll pay for your school the first, you know, and, and I went and everybody in college rodeos thought I was just there just to go. Cause I still went with my buddies, but I didn't get on for two years. And then that, that next year I rodeoed for him and ended up winning the region for him and going to the college finals. And then that following year is when I, I, I'd got my permit that year and got my qualifications built up. And so, uh, when I did get my card that next year, I had met Corey Melton and uh, I wanted him to go with somebody who knew how to enter. And he also, right when our first rodeo, he said, I'd met another kid that from Texas, Stormy. And so he's going to go with us. And he's a rookie that year. Well, even though we're both from Texas, from my house to his house is 16 hours. So I knew who Stormy was, but didn't really know Stormy. And so he gets in the truck with me, and I think like the next week or a month later, Corey gets hurt, and so then it's me and Stormy for the rest of the year, <laughs> and that's that's we became best friends after that, and that's how we we got to going. Oh, but I did. Really I went. I went. I went two years rodeoing, and both those years it sucked because Stormy barely missed NFR uh, both those years, and he actually got on tour before me, and then then I got on tour. Um, what about Stormy had a story of sometime you were driving somewhere and, and there was a, you got pulled over by the cops and there was a bunch of mosquitoes at your legs. I had a Stormy text me like a shit pile of stories of, of you guys rodeoing together. I can imagine you two fucking guys. He thought I had a, was drinking and we was at Sykeson and I was changed beside the truck, the car and had all the doors open. I got in and started driving and man, I was just getting ate alive and I'm slapping and I'm swerving in the car and that cop pulls me over and he walks up there with his old flashlight, like, you know, and I'm like, sir, if I can just open this door, you can shine your light down here and see what I'm talking about. And I opened it and he shined and my legs just have a million whelps on them. And there's mosquitoes <laughs> all over the floorboard and he starts laughing and he let us go. <laughs> so your parents, use that one. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Your parents were yeah. always uh, big supporters of you. Is it true that you're, that your mom became a flight attendant when you were young so that you could fly around the U S and stuff and have better rates. Uh, she became a flight attendant kind of when I was 17, cause she knew I was going to need them. And then I also, I think cause she was my dad's secretary for a long time. And it, uh, it basically, it's kind of saved their marriage whenever she became a flight attendant and can stay away from each <laughs> other about three days a week. But <laughs> She became a flight attendant so I could have free flights when I turned 18 and, 
So uh, the only problem is I couldn't rent a rental car. So in my rookie year and stuff, my permit year, especially when I was going out to those California rodeos by myself, I couldn't rent a rental car, but I'd only have to be 18 to rent a U-Haul. So I would show up in those rodeos with a big box van U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> Always find a way. I remember the first trip to Santa Maria on my permanent year, driving down the coast by myself in a big box van U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that the year that you won? What year did you win Houston? That was earlier on in your career, right? I won Houston in 2009 and, uh, or two, 2009, I think. And um, I'd made the finals my first year, uh, rookie year in 2008. And uh, so it would have been 2009. I won second again in 2010 next year that i think won calgary does that being from texas and right around that area was that like does that stand out for you now as as one of your biggest accomplishments or what do you put up there is it does it uh for sure this biggest indoor arena and outdoor arena um but it was just my hometown and so so i remember growing up going to the astrodome and my dad was a committeeman and um i was really good about getting sneaking behind the bucking shoots when it's like I mean, it's it's probably worse than Val and them at the PBR trying to get back there, you know, and and so I'd always sneak back there, but I always get I always got caught and I always got kicked out. But I remember standing at the Astrodome looking up there like, oh my God, this is crazy. And so it was cool. My first year at Houston that I uh, qualified to actually won it. The same cop was his older cop, but always worked there at the back gate. And uh, I got to go shake his hand and uh, say, you ain't got to kick me out anymore. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> and he knew, he knew exactly who I was. And it was a pretty funny story. But anyways. Oh, that's badass. And then, uh, uh, and then so you went to the, the Calgary Stampede, won the Calgary Stampede. That's kind of when uh, everybody up here really started noticing you. You ride Deja, Deja Vu, right? The, the big Brindle for the win yes sir yes sir i did uh big red bull he was he i mean he was kind of scary really not just <laughs> you know he keep come you got to go through 50 bucking suits to get to your stuff there you know from the back and just paint all over his horns and oh yeah I knew, he'd be rattling him off every shoot he I, walked through i knew that he was the one to have because everybody was like man if you just got deja vu so you go pluck him and i had him and i i, I was pretty pumped it was another one actually that I got on that was pretty all there uh, at that time, I think was Big Valley Black. Yeah. Yeah. Big yeah. Oh, yeah. He chased me all across the arena, man. He was, <laughs> that was my first bull. But I honestly, uh, the very first day was uh, I got one jump. It was pouring down rain and I got one jump and, and I lost my rope, but it looks like I just jumped off. And uh, I remember my mom back in the camper, she's like, we flew all the way up here for that. She's like, you're going to have, and so I didn't get bucked off one more thing the rest of the week, and I ended up winning it. But my mom got got a fire lit under me. <laughs> okay, you have to tell the story though. Um, we uh, roomed together, and um, known for having good times, never afraid to, never gonna shy away from a, a good time. What about what did you won Calgary? That did you actually wake up in the ranch for this that morning? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. I, I did you got to tell that story. <laughs> uh, or, what you, or what you can remember of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just, we, we weren't shy of having a good time. And it, uh, I ended up having to jump out of the ranch. And so the porter potties, everything was locked up. And uh, 
couldn't go no more and needed a nap. Well, and I got out of there, everything was locked up and I had to jump out of the deal where they have the pole climb right there on the, you know, the little, the little outdoor deal in my hotel. I was staying at the carriage house. So <laughs> I, uh, that's funny. I forgot all about yeah, that. We, we should probably approach the carriage house for a sponsorship because I think it gets brought up every time we talk to <laughs> yeah, our, our, sure our American bull rider friends that have been to the Calgary Stampede. Yeah. But yeah, I like that. Yeah. And then take took you a hundred thousand just for something to do. I, I did. Took me took me a hundred thousand. That's so when you... exchange straight exchange rate was really good. Yeah, you still. I I'll tell you a funny story about Calgary. That a lot of people don't know, and I think you it involves you, but you don't know this either. But tough, <laughs> but tough Edeman always told me he was like, if you got a bull, an old campaigner that you could that you could be 90 on before but you know he's lost a few steps he's like when they load him in a buck and shoot you hot shot him and when nobody's looking and wrote was it every buck and shoot he goes he said you light him up and he said by the time you get on him and nod your head i said you'll you'll get the extra four points out of him i promise well that jb that year had bombs away and you're like everybody's like he shouldn't be in the four round i think you're in the four round yeah, and uh, soon as they lo- as soon as they loaded him nah. in that alley, nobody was looking, and I just went to lighten him up. And uh, they, I would look around, and they'd roll him another hole, and I'd light him up. And that's when he was ninety one, and he actually was so mad, he tried to paw at him, I think, and fell over at the end. <laughs> and uh, he ended up winning it by a point. He didn't know I was doing this, and he and I so at the beer garden, I told him, you know, and he kind of stepped back and looked at me, and I'm like, man, surely ain't about to hit me. I just won him a hundred thousand, and he ended up giving me a he, he gave me a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas, do you know um do you know who won second that year by half a point? You? Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> by half a point. Yeah. Oh. Thanks. Thanks now, for that. I didn't I didn't even get my 20%. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's no shit. Yep. Yeah. Uh so your money that you won from calgary i don't know if you're still involved with it or not but did you not put that towards uh the land towards rednecks or paychecks and all that sort of stuff is that how that came about yes sir i did we bought that i bought a helped my buddy buy a piece of property his, his grandpa's ranch back and we just created that deal just for for uh helping land payments and it blew up and uh he actually just had a little a little girl and uh got married and so it was just kind of the right time to get out and go my own way and so he bought my half out and i turned around and reinvested it again so i'm still still trying to get that money making me money so it's, it was a good deal yeah, so i was so immature then and it turned out to be good that i never really knew where i wanted to homestead because i mean i would just Honestly, that's what I was talking about being an adolescent that I would just fly to Cal- or fly to California. Well, I mean, I could stay a week in California, you know, I just didn't have. So the only thing I did with my money was my real estate, which turned out in the long run after them years was was having the real estate bought. And so when I was done, it gave me something to work with. Yeah, 100 percent. And most like that's good, though. You talk about being immature and all that sort of stuff, but you have been, you know, smart with that sort of stuff. There's lots of guys that once they're done, they don't have anything left right, right. Then, then it's nothing at least you 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 did as wild as it was over the years you did put that money into something right i was good like i got you know fortunate of those big checks that you win of of not spending any of it and and buying stuff with it you know not to say i didn't have my fair share of, of fun time but uh you know a lot of my stuff kind of was just on just living on the moment and uh, on the fly and not being just reliable and uh you know like 
this whole deal after I was done riding, just to spending two months on the phone, just to reaccounting for friendships that I just felt like whenever somebody called me, I, I wouldn't answer, you know, just of just waking up and, and just not handling business and being uh, persistent and, and accountable, you know, so that's what I've really kind of prided myself on here lately. I didn't answer my phone for probably three years and uh, now I haven't let it go dead in, in a year. So, and a lot of that had to do, I think with life after bull riding is just, that's, I'll get into that in a minute, but of uh, you know, where you kind of find yourself are is almost like a identity crisis and a depression just because I, I wasn't ready to leave bull riding, but my body was ready. And so I didn't really have plan B yet. And I didn't really understand that if you just put the work that you did in bull riding, you'll be all right. And if you just take like one walk through a children's hospital, you almost get mad at yourself for even acting like a, you know, just it's yep. so immature that, that, that you act like that. But in the time, you just don't know what or, you know, and I didn't really have a whole lot of people to help me out with that just because I stayed so excluded, you know, from everybody. But yeah, well, we can we, let's get into it, because I think that's a big part of of this podcast is is the mental health side of it. And everybody looks at us and sees us on TV and, and thinks that we're celebrities and we got everything put together. And, and, you know, most of us are like us where there's a lot of shit that goes on behind the scenes that that it's tough and and there's a lot of shit that goes on so what was kind of after you left what was the breaking point for you you say you didn't talk to anybody and and you know you kind of hit out what do you think what was the low that made you realize hey i got to get something fucking figured out just got to going through the motions and like uh just didn't really have an end goal because forever I wanted to be a world champion. So every decision I ever made when my feet hit the ground was what, that was what drove me is that every decision I ever made was the steps to getting that accomplished. And uh, that just kept it on a grid, you know, of a pathway. And so when, when you're done and you don't have something to, to look forward to, to, for an end goal to chase, it's easy to be like a hamster in a wheel. And before I knew it, you know, I, a year and a half had done passed and I didn't really have anything going and, you know, and, I just basically was feeling sorry for myself just because I didn't, I didn't have that stage anymore. I didn't have a plan B. Uh, everybody, I felt like I didn't understand that people were my friend because they were my friend. I just thought Douglas, the bull rider. So when I'm wetting Douglas, the bull rider no more, it was, it was hard and I should have reached out, but you know, I just, I looked in the mirror. There was just some decisions I was making that I wasn't proud of. I didn't like with social media, it was just like for so long, I got off that for a long time because I felt like it's so easy to portray a sense of false, false living. I feel like of what makes you look cool and get as much likes, but really if the front yard may look like roses, they don't understand how dead the backyard is. So, you know, I just, I felt like that was a problem and I just needed to take a reset on that. And uh, yeah, I just, it's easy to fall into that depression almost. And if you, if you sit there long enough and, and roll around and it'll grab you by the balls and sometimes it's hard to get out of but man it just took took uh finally having enough and looking myself in the mirror and sticking my chest out just like i did in those short rounds and and understanding that i was different and and that's what that's why i won and that's what made me me because i was different and uh no matter what if you just keep seeking opportunity and keep seeking a solid seven o'clock wake up time, maybe five 30 and being a man every day about it <laughs> and, uh, and, and quit, quit partying. And uh, man, just like I said, sticking your chest out and being accountable and loving your neighbor and understanding, you know, uh, I feel like I was watching a deal the other day on Phil Robinson about 
believe in, if you don't have nothing to believe in, like the Eagles said, then you take it to the limit one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I was doing in all aspects. And, and honestly, at the height of my bull riding career, like I was saying, we were having probably too good a time and not handling business. And so when the bull riding was over and you still try to do that, it's just, it don't work. And honestly, if I can tell anybody now, all that stuff was basically, it was a, it was a waste of time, you know, uh, I feel like, and, and I just wouldn't say waste of time. You know, I had a good, good time, met a lot of good people. And I was real big on no matter what, I worked out every day and I stayed on top of my bull riding. But there were some days that I feel like it, it didn't handle business and was a waste of time. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is, that's that, deep. yeah, yeah, that's fucking very, very true. And, and yeah, looking back, you, you, you don't think it's ever going to end. So you're just living fast and living hard. That's what I'm saying. And some days I didn't even, I mean, I don't even think I had a calendar app on my phone. I couldn't tell you what day it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but it's good to see now you're doing good. And like you say, you're, you, you went through those hard times, you went through those struggles. Fuck. I didn't talk to you for two, three years. Right. And, and, yeah, uh, I didn't talk to anybody. And yeah. you, weren't, you weren't alone. And, uh, and that's what, that's what I said. It just being accountable as a friend now and understanding and just anything in business. Uh, you know, it's just, I got away from what made me me and I didn't like that. And so I had to turn it back around and I feel like I'm glad I did that because lots of guys don't ever get to do that. Yeah. Yeah, go down the rabbit hole and don't come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that's good. Glad you're back, motherfucker. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what about the road to the PBR? So you win Calgary, you win Houston, you uh, you switch over. You said Stormy got on tour before you. What was your road to to the PBR side? Well, that year they had uh, they let Calgary count for okay. the Challenger tour, and so I got so obviously I got to uh, had a hundred thousand dollars in challenger money <laughs> yeah. and so and so i waited till the end of summer i still try to go to some rodeos but i think glendale or no des moines maybe or glendale i, I don't remember which one was my first one uh i went to um actually i re- it wasn't two weeks that i broke my pelvis i actually made it on tour i think it was at the end of that that summer and i got to go to two built for tough series events and then I broke my pelvis oh, and then sure. I didn't I go, that. I didn't, I didn't go for two years. So, but, but the second time around, I think I went to Glendale and, uh, that was my, that was my road. I mean, I didn't really have to go to many other challengers. They, uh, I was in the top of the challengers and they end up booking a built for tough series over Calgary that year. And so I don't think any, a lot of them top guys went, so they let the top so many in the challenger events go. And so oh. that's how I ended up going. No shit. And then take mm-hmm. it, badass. Yes, sir. And and then was was Stormy on tour at that time, or who were you? Who do you kind of who'd you roll with when you when you first got on tour? Who'd you kind of look up to in that sense? Stormy was on there, but man, I always just tried to set my bag down, kind of by Chris Shivers. He was like the man I felt like, and I just I looked up to him, and just he was just like a, I mean, his mentality and and you know, and just obviously like JB and. um it was just like stormy jb and then later is you know it was outlaw and then you just had a good group of guys and it was and that's what i felt like the difference was rodeo and in, in particular of sometimes uh i just don't feel like some of the guys 
not, not talking bad, but it's just like my group of PBR guys, when I was in a locker room, you may not think that you're going to ride one, but I'll be damned if, if the camaraderie and your buddies, like if you had one, instead of saying, oh, he's bad to ride, you're like, oh, you damn right. You got this son of a buck. You can be 95 points, you know, and it just got you fired up. I remember one time I, I, I came back like 15th in the short round eight times that year. And it sucked. It sucks coming back 15th. It's just yeah. sketchy, man. <laughs> it's like so sketchy. Yeah. And so I was in, I was in, in the mirror and in, in the bathroom. I'm like, you're a bad son of a bitch, Douglas. You're a bad son of a bitch. You're, and Stormy comes in there and he's like, are you talking to yourself? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, no. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, get your shit. Come on. So he walked out there and pumping me up the whole way. <laughs> oh, hey, you and, remember? I, and I walk, I walk by Tandy and, I'm like, hey, can I get two of those mouthpieces? <laughs> <laughs> you ever, uh, you were, you were going to get, you were right on the cut line and you probably came back 15th again. And we, we, we were doing the same thing in the long round. I was like, you're a bad motherfucker, Douglas. Get you back yeah. up against the wall. Let's go. And you rode. And so then when the short round came, I was trying to hype it up even more, and I'm supposed to be spotting Douglas. And I'm like in his ear, like, come on, Douglas. That's when he flipped my hat up. He didn't cracks spot up me. against yeah. the wall. I was supposed to be spotting him, and this thing just cracks him in there. And I'm just yelling in his ear. Probably spooked the bull more than anything. Did not have a hold of Douglas, and this thing just melees him off the front slats and just half knocks him out. So I'm I mean, it bent my. I thought it broke my nose actually. It, uh, but I didn't. I didn't want to have to re-pull. Didn't I just hit nod? Yeah, you just went. Yeah. I was like, oh, sorry, brother. <laughs> That was some That's NFP funny. shit right there. Yeah. 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 Get you a new hat later. <laughs> did uh did Stormy tell you about the you were we were there, I think, in Laughlin, the jet ski incident? Oh yeah, you gotta tell that one. No, Stormy didn't we didn't touch on that. We talked about our trip to uh to Malibu and with uh, with Trittler and stuff like that, but not the jet ski, and you gotta tell the jet ski incident. And Laughlin, uh we were all rented jet skis before the first perf that morning, and and obviously when me chase and stormy get behind motorized water vehicles just in any any motorized uh you know vehicle it, it, it's not a recipe for good and so somehow <laughs> we we wreck the jet skis me and stormy i mean collide because store i'm trying to jump stormy's wake or stormy falls off it sprays me well i don't know stormy fell off the jet ski i ramp mine over his there's we had to limp them back in. There's plastic pieces everywhere. It sliced my heel. There's blood everywhere. So it looks like a scene from Saul. This guy's so worried about, about suing us that, uh, us suing him that he just makes us like, he takes the thousand out of mine and Stormy's deposit. And we about be like, and the Dutch jet skis are like destroyed. I don't know how much they cost, but he only got us for a thousand each. And man, I'm just like gushing blood. And, and it just so happened. It sliced my heel right where my spur goes. And so Tandy, I have to go, back over there before the perf get stitches in my heel right where my damn spur sets and uh end up, having to end up getting on but man it was funny to look on that guy's face we were dragging both these jet skis and chase is pulling us in and uh man that guy's just like what the fuck i'm like i'm I, i'm pointing stormy stormy's pointing at me <laughs> but Oh man, I remember Bates just losing it on you too about that. He's your agent, yeah. at the time. he's like, You dumb, once again, not taking care of business as we were right, not right. known to do. But oh, then you remember fucking doctor in that thing when we were going to Malibu and we were stopping at all the CVS's and trying to yeah. fix it ourselves. That thing was oh. bad, man. It was in a bad spot, 
just because you sweat so much because then it gets so soggy back there, oh. you know, especially when riding. And then with my my spurs sitting right on that band, I mean, it was just trying to rip it open. Oh. And, uh, Filthy. <laughs> I'd hurt my right my right hand at the finals one year, my left hand. And so I'm telling everybody, I'm telling everybody that uh, that I'm going to get on right handed. I've never been on right handed, but I was like, JB did it. Like, I, you know, and uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it. And so I've been being bad. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to ride right handed. I go in there, didn't look at the draw Sunday morning perk. I, uh, I go look on the wall and it's like Beaver Creek bow. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I was like, holy crap and i paced around there for a minute i'm like dude i can't catfish out of this i'm like but i can't ride this thing left-handed and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so i finally looked at tyler Hart. i was like he's the alternate i'm like tyler go go get your shit i ain't getting on <laughs> <laughs> so i was seat out man it was seat out <laughs> but like, i would have had any other any other one beside him i'm like that's when he was juice hog you know but i'm like man Right, now ain't the time to try out my right hand. <laughs> no, no shit. Wrong one to try that on. Yeah. Was that the was that the year that that you rode uh Bushwhacker or was that a different year? Man, it, it wouldn't have been that year. Uh yeah. another funny story about that is is uh man, it probably cost me just as much with the bookies because I knew I was gonna ride him. So I went and put all the money on myself on the line in Vegas and uh so, and people are like, how does it feel to slap bushwhacker? And I'm like, man, as broke as I was at that point, I don't care what it was. It cost me about 80 stacks. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. shit. Uh, it would have paid, paid just as much with the bookies as it would have around. Yeah. Did you slap him? The I barely question? did. I've yeah. been, I've been, I've, I've, I've slapped less, but, and got marked for it. I didn't yeah. push off, but yeah, I just sucked it Uh just for being who he was at that time and, yeah. and you know, and just knowing that I, and I did ride. I remember like when he, like probably the third round into it, when I got picked back up and was riding him in my head, I'm like, dude, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, I got him. Rode. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the following year I rode stone sober in the third round. They got me for slapping him. So it was yep. two, two rounds in a row. Yeah. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. About 50, about 50,000. Yeah, plus yep. when he was betting on himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Busting themselves, but I haven't, well, I, uh, I I haven't had, suggested I, they go and put the money on it. I had got on him earlier that year in, in uh, Thackerville, and I knew if I could just keep my hand in my rope that I would be able to ride him. And uh, and so, obviously, at the finals that year, every draft, they let you get all liquored up, you know, and then so half the time in the morning when you wake up and you look at the draw sheet, you're like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you picked him pretty yeah. near the top, did you not? Like you picked. I, I did. Yeah. I did. But I, I knew that I could ride him, and even Julio had said that that year. He's like, "Who do you think would be the first one to ride Bushwhacker?" Well, JB had rode him in Tulsa before. Before JB rode him, he said, "I think Douglas can ride him," and so that had me even more like, "Yeah, hell yeah, I'll ride him." You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I honestly did think I could ride him if my hand stayed in the rope because. I felt like on those rank bulls like that, I was really good about jockeying my rope. And my dad always really told me is you have to ride the roller coaster to the very top before the breakover. Yep. And so I could ride the roller coaster on my knees to the top and then break over. And um, a lot of guys sat down before the breakover, like him, Long John. All yeah, them you rode like Long John too. Along with. Yeah. I did. And uh, it was just uh, – that's that's why is they didn't ride the roller coaster at the top. So I knew if I could just stay out over him on those first two jumps until he broke over, I would be able to ride him. There, there you go, yeah. kids. Write it down. Do you think your hips 
uh, near the end of your career that that's probably what affected it i know like i've had trouble with hips and groins and it's so hard to see guys that are so good not be able to to ride to their potential because of the physical ailments that that hinder them do you think that all that stuff affected your riding at the end like you said your your mind was still there but your body wasn't it was no doubt for the last four years of my career, every six months, I got a shot in my SI joint, my hip, a lot of cane and cortisone. And uh, there, I kind of got it a little bit under control because I I had three hip scopes on my on my right hip throughout my career. And I just, it was no longer anything I could scope. I had to get a replacement. But I remember getting off my, my bull sometimes. It would hurt so bad that my leg would just shake violently and I couldn't control it, you know, wow. and it was just, it was excruciating. And, and, but that was like, it was either get a hip replacement or be done with it. And I wasn't ready to. And so I would just try to buy time. And not, like I said, when it got to where for me, my size was a big issue because I was a, a stouter guy in general. So I had to ride at 155. So trying to keep that under wraps and stay physical enough. So when I got home every week to be able to train enough to do that in a four day period, it was impossible almost, you know? And, and so that's another deal as far as just, I know it, it's coming to an end. There's nothing you can do about it. And just trying to not tell anybody or trying to act like a big wussy and, you know, cause everybody rides hurt, but just knowing that there's nothing that can physically be done, that my career is coming to an end, but I'm not ready for it to be done. was a big issue for me of not knowing how to handle it and not, and not really talking and being open with it about it, anybody, you know, and not having a plan B because to me, if you have plan B, plan A never works. So yeah, every, everything I was doing was just, uh, you know, it was just how to how to uh, stay at the very top of what I did. So when you would get that hip injected, was that instant relief? And and number two, how long did that allow you to at least live somewhat in comfort uh, going it up to? It would. Uh, it got smaller and smaller as the time went on, um, but it got to where it would last a few months, and um, you know. But then it just a lot of times it was so it would be like riding a pickup truck, riding an airplane. I, I would buy those neck pillows and sit on them like a donut really. And, um, it was just a constant four, no, maybe not an eight pain, but a constant four all the time. And if you think about how many steps you take in a day and, and feeling every one of them that you take and, and not being able to get around that, it's just, it's just yeah. like my, your mood starts to change and you get short kind of don't even, you know, and just on top of knowing that your career is being over with, it's just kind of like, oh, like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> what a... yeah. And you don't want to hey. tell anybody because you don't want to sound like you're making excuses on anything. So, you know. Doug, when you before you got on here, we were we were bullshitting Tanner and Scott and I um, about how good you looked on bulls. Like uh, you talk about throwing your bag beside Chris, Chris Shivers. But when you when you were a young guy wanting to be a bull rider, who did you look up to as far as style and, and want to, you know, clone yourself to be like when you nodded your head? So I'll tell you what, uh, I think all those, so it goes back to my mom making me ride all those barrel horses. And I had to all the time have four or five to exercise when I was growing up. And so I'd be so pissed off that I had to go out here and exercise these horses that I would ride them bareback. And, and so if you watch me, like I'm sitting in a chair on the, it molded the way I sit on the back of a bull. And so I think I almost basically developed my own style, but 
so it goes back to when after I broke my pelvis and it being the best thing that happened to me because I never got it taken away from me. And so I was a, I could be 90 points. I felt like when I was 18, but I couldn't be it consistently. And so whenever I broke my pelvis, I, when I came back, I bought five practice bulls and I named them Monday through Friday. And I got on a bull every day for a year. And it was nothing that was ranked. It was something that was up and down, jump and kick. But I got on one bull a day for a year. And when I came back off that, it I was a completely different bull rider. And I worked out and it was just like I was going to do everything it took to be at the top of that level because I never had to really work at it that hard. I didn't eat healthy. I was always good, but no one wasn't wasn't where I needed to be. So it was almost like that needed to happen to project me and to mm -hmm. be in a more consistent and it slowed everything down. But it's funny in college, I had all them calf ropers. I would help them untie calves and they would help me open the gate on one bowl a day. And, uh, and so that's oh, what wow. I did. But as far as men Monday, mentally, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, and Friday, you had them named. I, I like that. That's pretty original right there. Which was the rankest out of the five? I had a Bromby, man, that bucked, and he was a little cute little muley. And it's funny because I had a lot of people that wanted to come get on, and they would pick him out of them. But I'm like, okay, you got to go in with tennis shoes because he didn't look scary but would buck. And uh, <laughs> and you remember those Brombies repeat and ditto that were on tour that yep. back when? They come out of them, that group, Mike Solomon. I went and picked it. It wasn't one of the bigger ones. It was a smaller one, but Buck. And, uh, man, I would wreck so many people out. And uh, getting on it with tennis shoes. And uh, he was he would make a couple rounds right there, right in the gate. And just It just it got me and try to go back the other way. So it would help with that elbow drop move, you know, going to the front and being square. Yeah. And I just felt like away from my hand, into my hand, it was just all. And that's yeah. whenever I was firing on point, and it felt good. But as far as the – style i felt like the tough hedeman mindset is what i took out of that because i went to one school riding school it's tough hedeman's but as far as the way he approached it and like chris shivers uh you know of like a jb of it's almost like my motor got to running the, the bigger the the bigger the hype the bigger the ride the bigger the you know everything and uh i felt like if you look back on my bull stats i probably have so many unqualified rides on 21 point bulls and then a lot more on 22 points. You know, I probably have 88 point bull rides a lot more than I have 83. And they're like, well, damn, you know, it's, yep. it shouldn't be like that, but you know, it, uh, I, I felt like that mentality and mindset Badass. is what I, what I took, took away from like JB. I mean, uh, like JB helped me out a lot, uh, but tough Edelman growing up being around him and understanding that that everything's excuses and so the big my big deal too is when guys about the, i had a rule like me and stormy had a rule you can't say you got bucked off because a bull is a piece of shit because if a bull is a piece of shit and he bucked you off he did his job the only way you can say a bull is a piece of shit is if you had a qualified ride yeah, yeah. I, hate when, I hate when guys are like oh man he shitted me off i'm like well did you ride him yeah your you job know is like, yeah. yeah their job is yeah to so, you off. <laughs> right so don't be talking shit if you didn't ride him uh, that's good. Uh, one thing I want to touch on though, this is, uh, which people could probably pick up from this podcast, but your, your character as a, as a human, as much as you want to you talk about how you, you know, your, your career, you're rolling pretty hard, but I mean, you're one of the nicest guys. You're always there for everybody or everybody's friend in the locker room. You do anything for anyone. Take the fucking shirt off your back for, for anyone. You came to Canada a few times up here. You came to our our, our bull riding and bullfighting school. Uh, just the shit that you did. That you'd go out of your way for for everybody around you. When I first came on tour, you and Jesse were staying together, and then we ended up rooming together 
even though it's pretty much just me and Jesse rooming together and you'd show up at eight in the morning and fucking <laughs> change your clothes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but legit, man, like uh, that most respect for you. And you talk about Tuff Edelman as a guy that, that you look up to. And for me, when I got on tour, you were a guy, you, JB, um, you guys like that. That just with that badass mindset, Stormy, where you like you talk, there's no fucking excuses. Your job is to stay on. And you guys helped me realized that yeah like you you got to take it to that next level and and you can ride all these rank fucking bulls and your buddies are the ones that, that help you do that so i have to say i appreciate you for all that speaking of taking the shirt off your bat and the hat off of your back can you tell the story when you gave that kid oh what? man <laughs> tell, tell us I, that one. I gave him i gave him my hat was it at sioux falls man yeah. and i didn't realize that there was an extra another day <laughs> and uh, I think I thought it was a one-day event. Well, then I had another day. Well, then I saw him in the lobby and had to go ask him for my hat back so I could ride with it that night. I, gave, I had to get, I had to re-give it back to him after that night. <laughs> I, I was like, hey, man, I know you think I'm BSing, but, like, I swear after tonight I'll give you my hat, but, like, I thought it was a one-day event, and uh, I'm going to need that hat back just to ride in tonight. <laughs> Uh, I think cool. I think that's what it's about, you know. Like I watched like this deal on on Kobe Bryant the other day, and then I felt like the same way. Not far as comparing myself to Kobe Bryant, but what he said at the beginning, it's about ring chasing. But at the end, it's about being remembered, about being able to bring out the best in everybody, and know that you know that's what I that's what I liked. I didn't want anybody to be not like to be around me. I want to be a guy that they could be around me and feel like I brought out the best in them by leading by example. And that's, you know, the way I went about it. And would, and would, if I saw somebody in a slump, you know, it just like, I want somebody to help me, but you know, I, I like to lead by example and have that mentality. And, and, and even though, uh, even though I didn't ride all of them, I didn't never got on one thinking I wasn't going to ride them, you know? And um, there may be a couple I was a little nervous about, mm -hmm. but I didn't think I wasn't going to ride them. And uh I'd be like, Jesse, you got me. All right. <laughs> I'm tying myself in. I'm locked in. Hey, you make sure you <laughs> but, you know, I, I felt like that's what it's about. It's just about being able to be remembered as bringing out the best in somebody and the people that were drawn to you because you, you they liked the way they felt when they were around you about push, being able to bring their level up. Yeah. Yeah, you oh, well. and um, Pazabon, it was the same way, right? Like, you, yeah. you, Stormy, like, always bringing guys up, never, ever, like, being selfish. And, and there's guys that are like that, that all you have a bull, mm -hmm. like, oh, fuck, good luck. You know, like, they're always playing mind games when we're not even, we're not competing against each other, you know? Right. Never the issue with our group. It was always. There was a couple of times in the draft, and there would be, like, I'd be way down there, like 15th, and a couple of those Brazilians that didn't really speak good English, you know, come up to me and ask me about one, and I knew that, like, it's one I wanted. And I'd be like, oh, man, you don't want him, man. Want him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they'd walk up there and pick the one I thought I was going to get left with. I'm like, yes! <laughs> Play in the game. Yeah. Well, Scott has our uh, our infamous question for you here. We've held you for a while, but I got a few more after we're, we're done the question. But, Scotty, you can have her with our NFP. Hey, uh, Douglas, good to see your smiling face again. And uh, I'm enthused by uh, the smile you have on your face with your new career and where life's taking you, and it's sure good to see. And with that, this is the hashtag NFP podcast, and we're just wondering what those three huge letters mean to you. So like an acronym, 
What the fuck's an uh, acronym? I was the only I was the only one to admit that they didn't know what a fucking acronym was. So I like it. And it doesn't need to be an acronym. No. Okay, that's what was fouling me up. Mm-hmm. It an acronym? Did I use that in the right context? Yep. Well, an acronym is like, uh, like what, what it each actually letters... stands. Yes, what yeah. it stands. Okay. For. Yeah. Man, I just I I take it as uh you know like just that backbone about sticking your chest out and uh, honestly I know that y'all y'all talk like a lot about mental health so I mean I feel like that's it's just about being a bad sum of buck but understanding that you don't have to be really and uh, you know it just you know you can be a bad sum of buck but you don't have to to not not hide things like I, like I did and like, you know, just helping. I feel like it's more than just telling stories, but being a voice of reason and, and help. Hell yeah. yeah. Douglas, I do. Sorry. I do have one question. Um, just mm-hmm. for young guys that are starting into this career. I mean, you've been there, you've done it. You've proved yourself at both ends of the spectrum. What would Douglas Duncan tell Douglas 20 years previous? Um, it, you just have to be different. You have to look at the guys that are at the very top. And, and whenever you wake up in the morning, you say, what is Jose Vitor Lemmy doing? And how am I going to beat him? And it, it starts every day. And it starts with everything that you do from a young age. And you just have to be different. You have to, you can't go through the motions. You have to set yourself apart. You have to write your goals on your mirror every morning and, uh, and really believe in yourself because a lot of people can say it. And a lot of people go through the motions, I feel like, and, and you just got to be different. And that comes with sacrificing, sacrificing parties, sacrificing relationships. And if you're going to have that it factor, you're going to have to be almost uh, just psychotic work ethic of uh, if you want to achieve the actual goal that you're really wanting to and be the best in the world, it's going to take an insane amount. You're going to lose friends. You're going to have family that doesn't really understand. And you just got to fall in love with uh, of being different. And, um, and understanding it's okay. And if you're wanting to be the best in the world at what you're going to be, it's that's exactly what it's going to have to take. Damn. Yeah, like salty, it. salty. I, I would like to hear your, your uh, maybe just a memory or something about uh, on the side of it with, with, with Pazabon. You were uh, one of his best friends. And uh, what's kind of what sticks out for you as, as memories of, uh, of Ty? Man, just always laughing smiling uh and what what actually sticks out to me is y'all's two uh intense uh what is it playstation hockey game matches <laughs> <laughs> y'all would have, y'all would have. Uh, i can't even tell you how to turn the playstation 2 on man but i mean y'all would just be cussing shit throwing uh i'm like man y'all getting this heated up over nhl uh playstation 2 game but man <laughs> Just being good, just being good. And honestly, you're talking about taking the time and taking the shirt off people's, you know, taking the shirt off your back and it, uh, but he would actually take the time, you know, and, and I was real big and maybe not, not offering unsolicited advice. If you want to come to me and you fed, if you felt like you want to be around me just because the way I acted, that was cool. But far as just taking the time and going out of your way and stopping for every kid and, and being a, being a stand up dude, uh, that was him. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, good fucker. So, what's next then for uh, for Douglas? Now you you know you've you talked about uh, getting back and 
into into real life and you know you got your your gal and and a place and a job you ever see yourself trying to come back into the bull riding game in a media aspect or anything like that or, or what's your what's your what do you want to do in the future man I, honestly i did try to kind of get my foot in the door about with uh with that on and they let me do the ride pass a little bit of it at the finals um you know, I've reached out to him and told him that I would be interested. And it took a little while to be wanting to get back around that sport a little bit, you know, but I would, I would definitely love to, but honestly, where I want to be, um, I really enjoy, I feel like at helping athletes. And so one day being able to speak to athletes about, about transition into the next chapter. So they didn't find themselves in the position that I was in. And I feel like there's a lot of need for that because everybody's there to help somebody get into a sport, but nobody's there for the exit. And if they don't have the right belief system and understanding, then it's pretty easy to find themselves in a dark place like I was in. So I would like to be able to speak to, to the athletes one day, but, but for the t- time being, you know, it, uh, I, I, I still mess with a bunch of Colts and, and, and get to plug around on those when I'm not doing my roofing job. Uh, great friend of mine, Cody Brown, he, he's, a really good horseman and, and day works on them every day. And so I try to take them to the arena and get a little, little arena roping on them with all the forcing of roping my parents made me do. I feel like I can rope probably better than our road bulls, but it's a lot more enjoyable now plugging around them Colts whenever I have a job to pay for it all, you know, yeah, so. yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, that's gold. And, 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 for, and for the record, for the record, big Valley black did not chase you that far in Calgary because I had your ass, man. I had your back. I had your back. He didn't, but I, I made a good ride. So I was moseying to the fence. And he exactly. Made he made that victory lap where he come all the way down in front of the bucking suit, and my little ass wasn't stepping very fast, and he almost caught me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not the yeah. one you want. Not the one you want. Cool. He was scary, man. He was big. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, big yeah. time. Huge. Big time. Yeah. Man, uh, <laughs> one time we went – we all – was speaking of Chitler, he uh, – we all went to Havasu because we left Albuquerque and went to Havasu for spring break, and I'd never really had a spring break, so we went with that jump show <laughs> – and uh and uh so we all went and Trittler wasn't driving that jump show back we had to be back to albuquerque it was glendale we went to havasu and then we had to drive back to albuquerque so it was me dirt eater chase outlaw stormy um skeeter king solver jory well we all rode out there with we all rode out there with Trittler and then had one car well then now it's time we thought we'd run a car all of us to uh, drive back to Albuquerque. Well, the, all the rental cars are sold out in Havasu. We have to be back for the Biltmore Tough deal. So once again, I had to rent a U-Haul after <laughs> after after a week in Havasu. And you can tell the kind of hungover that you're in Havasu. So I had to drive in, uh, nine hours back from Havasu to Albuquerque in a box fan U-Haul with Stormy and about 10 different gear bags in the back with everybody's in a uh, box fan U-Haul, a seat that didn't recline, just sweating your ass off. <laughs> it was the longest day. <laughs> People, and I ended up doing good at Albuquerque. But, you, you know, the uh, there, I forget what I said. Uh, I said something about having the flu. So, Leah's like, oh, and Douglas has the flu, but riding really well. And I want to be like, I ain't got the flu. I'll be like, shit. That's part of all you can have is see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Douglas, we appreciate you big time uh, coming on the NFP podcast. And like I stated earlier, one of the one of the best guys in the locker room. 
uh, in the arena, outside the arena, all around great dude. Glad to hear that you're you're doing good and, and that we're going to be able to hear from you in the future and be fans of you now in, in real life, not just uh, as a fan of you riding bulls. So uh, we yeah. love you. We love you. And we uh, appreciate you coming on the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. Thanks for having me, guys. Y'all take care. See if my kids gon' make it through that yeah. From Miami to L.A.